I'm Asam, and this is the Friday show on the 9320 podcast. Been another long week in City World, and joining me to look both forwards and backwards is Sir Howard of Hocking. <laughs> Hello, mate. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Would, you would you take a knighthood if you were offered it, by the way? <laughs> no. No. Uh, would you? No, because I couldn't sell it on eBay, so what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> it has no financial worth, so are you not allowed to sell them on eBay? <laughs> Probably not. No, I'd actually not. I'd actually never thought about that. Maybe I'd maybe I'd take it just so I could flog whatever it is. <laughs> you that can you buy can. a lordship, can't you? But I don't yeah. think you can. Yeah, I don't know. It depends where it got me. So <laughs> <laughs> was that our opening question? <laughs> yeah. would you, would... Well, you called me sir, so I thought I'd ask sir. So. Excellent, excellent. Well, look, um, I think that I've got a, a real opening question for yeah. you. More or less, uh, the question is about last weekend's game against Liverpool, um, and specifically to do with the uh, the way that they the way that they press. The question is from AK ninety three City, and he asks: the defense caved into the press. The top clubs in Europe Europe will likely do that and hit us on the counter a lot. Are we equipped to cope? Uh, well, we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> uh, I think I'm not going to read into. You can't walk away from the Liverpool match and say, you know, make sweeping conclusions about how the team can cope in the future, because you know, stand by the fact it was 50, it was ten minutes, I think, of football that lost us our first match in nine months. Uh, they're not the first team to press us this season. Uh, are we going to collapse like that every time someone presses? Well, first of all, most clubs just couldn't do that. Uh, secondly, I think it took so much out of Liverpool. If the game had gone on a bit more, we'd probably have still got a point anyway. Uh, and we've been pressed before and we've got round it. But it's Liverpool we seem to have a problem with historically. And yes, it could be a problem. Uh, but you could just say that about any team, really. If you press Barcelona like that, if you press Real Madrid, they're probably not a good example on current form, then they're going to make mistakes. That's why we do it. That's why we press like that. We don't give a team. So you could just you could put that template on for any team whatsoever. Of course, mm. it will be a problem. If, if anyone could replicate that and press like that, but I'm not sure it's that easy for 90 minutes. A lot of the time... We can pass over it, but it was an excellent press for ten minutes, and we we just you know self combusted, didn't we? So yeah, well, yeah, it's a, a template, but I don't. I'm not going to make sweeping conclusions because it was a an isolated incident so far in five months of football. So mm. I think that I think the line the line for me or the question becomes about whether. You know, when you talk about whether we self-combusted or the, the question is, did we make mistakes that were that it, it was it one of those shit happens moments where, you know, you have two or three mistakes over a 10 minute period. And because of the quality of the opposition, they just punish you when they score the yeah. goals or whether it's a question of when we're pressed like that we're pressed into those mistakes. You see this d d distinction that I'm making that did the mistakes come from Liverpool's pressing or did the mistakes just come from us not being mentally sharp or... You, yeah, you, both, you, I would imagine, yeah. I would say we've been pressed before. Mm. Uh, I don't think... Yeah, I mean, one was just charging a ball down. and Yeah, it, it's hard to... <laughs> It's hard to know if we're going to go into that sort of, you know, that dip again where we start making sloppy mistakes. You know, there's talk of that Stones has made three in a row now and it's come back from injury and it's getting back into the rhythm, isn't it? Mm. Uh, isn't it, it, really is, it, it really is a question of time, we'll tell. Uh, at the first midweek off and you hope it could be fatigue, it could just be a number of factors, basically. Okay. Do you think that with Stones, um, do you think that his age gives him a little bit of a get out in terms of you know the the kind of if you look at the if you look at the discrepancy 
between his performances before he got injured and the way that he's come back and, and the types of errors that he's making. Um, do you think that's an age thing? Or do you think with a player like John Stones who plays the way that he plays, he'll always make mistakes? Uh, yeah, I think I think the age helps because he's, you know, we have this idea of a peak age for a footballer and he's not at it yet. Mm. So if he was 29, then he'd be, well, it's, this isn't going to change really, is it? You know, what you see is what you're going to get. So you make up your mind whether that's good enough for a team at the top level. And with him, he's obviously far better, you know, before his injury than he was last season. Uh, the will always our style really across the defence. There'd be a mistake there. We play out. We pass it across the back. Pass it virtually across the goal line sometimes. But and I even said this last season. Even when Bravo was there. It will create far more goal. Yeah, you know, if Edison one in ten just slips in a, you know, passes a ball to someone, then it's still worth it because it's essential that pass along the back just creates so many attacks and creates so many goals that you've got to weigh up that against you know the odd mistake that will always happen. It's not mm. a it's not a kick it into Rosehead tactic. So yeah, uh, but kick it into Rosehead. Everyone thinks that's safe, but it's not. It gives the opposition the ball back. Uh, so, you know, there's both where I know you've just given it back at a throwing, but then they're coming at you again, just like teams when they're defending a draw at Old Trafford or a big team and, you know, they retreat to the edge of their penalty area. I'd still say for City, it's best to keep, never change that philosophy, and Pep's not going to change it, is he? So, no. it's essential. There will be the odd mistake, but we can't lose our our minds over it but, uh, you just don't want to see him making one every match then because then it worries you that it's the stones of last season but he's coming back off an injury I hope he's just settling back into his role you know even like I think Aguero yeah there's players who do take time to uh, hit the ground running after an injury uh, I think Aguero has in the past so uh, it's just one of those things isn't it okay listen um I know that we're not really going to talk about transfers, but I, I think it—I think it'd be interesting to talk about Johnny Evans yeah, yeah. Uh, because he's obviously been heavily linked this week. Um, just in terms of, you know, again, like, is there an argument that with Vinny, is he Vinny injured still? Like, I well, he wasn't never... available for Liverpool, so right. Okay, there you go. So he's so so he's still injured. So then it really feels like you know is. You've you've got Mangala, you've got Adarabayo, and you've got Stones, and you've got Otamendi. Now Stones has come back from 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 an injury, and he's not slipped right back into his best form. So we sort of looked a little bit unstable in in the back line. I think the problem we've got there is that you know Mangala and Adarabayo are the 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 drop off is so huge that that's even more destabilizing putting those two into the back four so then is there maybe an argument that actually a Johnny Evans type is is kind of exactly what we need just like a a steady Eddie that you know is going to come in yeah. and do the basics right uh, well we discussed this on the league matters show with you know state and. When I first saw the rumour, it was like, you are joking me, right? <laughs> you know, this is just, this is just uh, one of those agents, you know, trying to get his player a new deal, uh, using City as always, and now it's looking very real. The problem is, we're, just look at, our, uh, look at our signings last summer, you know, Mendy, Walker, Bernardo Silva, uh, Edison. You know, sexy, exciting signings, aren't they? And that's what we're used to now. Literally, we want every signing to be exciting, like something that dazzles us, one of the best defenders in Europe or one of the best wingers or one of the young player of the year. And sometimes you just have to do a really dull, uninspiring signing that that you shrug your shoulders and go, well, it probably strengthens the squad. Uh, just ask yourself the simple question. 20 million used to be a lot. Now it's virtually nothing. I mean, I don't think the fees. I don't think I it don't does think, to me. I just I, no. But when it was going over thirty, I know we've, we've discussed to death, haven't we, that money doesn't matter. 
but it just felt wrong spending thirty million pounds on a backup, and yet twenty million just sounds like a backup price in the modern market. It just—I don't know. Well, it's just the way it just feels better. Uh, I don't want us. I've said it time and time again. We do have a budget, so the I'm perfectly fine. It's totally uninspiring, Johnny Evans. But if you ask me now, if we had Evans and Mangala, and they, you know, who we're going to pick to play with Otamendi in the next three games, I'd go for Johnny Evans. He's a step up, I think, for Mangala. I've tried with Mangala, but it's just not going to happen. Mm. And he'd allow you 20 games at home to Westbourne or whatever that we should be comfortable in, allows you to rest, even if Stones, Otamendi are fit, gives them rest time for those swathes of games during the season where we should have far too much anyway. But putting Johnny Evans in, it's not going to destabilise the whole side. So it's sort of... If he's happy to be fourth choice, if we're not buying him to pay, play 40 games a season, which would be quite underwhelming to say the least, and I think he would be happy to be fourth because that's better than being, you know, no no disrespect to struggling West Brom, who aren't going to win anything, uh, then he'd accept it. And I think it makes our squad slightly stronger for very small outlay. And isn't the, it, and that's kind of what I'm trying to get at is this idea that, you know, I know it's a, I know it's a weird comparison to draw, but for me, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of minded to to think about the the initial reaction to when we were linked to Kyle Walker, <clears throat> and I know that it's different because Walker's a lot younger than than uh, than Evans was, but in general, there was a similar reaction in terms of people going, he's just not good enough. Why are we signing a player who's just not good enough? And I think that, you know, I think with with Evans, you've just touched upon it. And I think it was a similar thing with Walker, where which is that rather than looking at, well, who's the best centre-back that we could go out there and buy or who's the best right-back that we could go out there and buy, we should just look at our squad and look at what we need and whether there is a, there's a sufficient improvement to bring that player in. And I just think that right now... Johnny Evans is a much better bet than than Mangala and Adarabayo. And that yeah. doesn't mean that in five years, Adarabayo might not be better than Johnny Evans. But right now, and that's kind of the problem that we've got. And I, you know, talking a little bit to Marty Perra now, I know that that's kind of the the toss of the coin that, that Guardiola's got to basically decide on, which is that, do you go out and, you know, do, do you go out and buy somebody who's got all the characteristics that you need and that will not unsettle your first choice pairing of Stones and Otamendi, but who can slip in? Or do you go out and buy, you know, somebody like Inigo Martinez or the young lad from um, from Leon whose name escapes me, where if you bring those players in, there's no guarantee that they are going to slot in. So it might well be that, you know, Stones or Otamendi picks up an injury in mid-Feb and the new guy comes in and he doesn't hit the ground running. And we've seen with centre-backs, with Otamendi and with Mangala, that you can spend loads of money on a guy from a foreign league and they'll come in and they're just, they won't do it. It'll take them ages to adapt. So I think it, kind of when you put all that stuff together, I feel like it makes more sense in January if you're going to buy a defender to just go and buy somebody like Johnny Evans, yeah. to not worry about, you know, people, whether it's... Sorry, sorry how people are getting oh. overworked about January. I mean, just January... Transfer windows are, yeah. You know, people are saying Sanchez goes to United, we sign Evans. That's the worst January transfer window ever. Well, so be it. They're not. They're not the key transfer windows. The summer one is. No, uh, but, oh, and they're here to just the the running repairs January. I know there's been ex- there have been uh, occasions where big signings are made in January. Of course, there's exceptions to the rule, and Sanchez will fall under that. Uh, I think we signed Jeco, didn't we? In, in the January window, yes, and bony, but we'll we'll move on from that. Uh, so obviously, you can make big signings, but their purpose is really you're planning for the second half of the season. And Evans is fine. If we make a big, we need another one in the summer. So in the summer, we make a big by another central defender, one that's a clear competition for Otamendi and Stones. Then. 
let's say we've got Martinez, Otamendi, Stones and Evans, that's better than the current situation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Unless, and I, and unless I, the new signing is a complete disaster, of course. But yeah, if they play to their ability, that's that's fine. As a four, that's fine. And Tosin, you know, can challenge if he up team to challenge for that for a spot because there are so many games we've already seen that there will be opportunities. Mm. Yeah. Um, was it? Uh, I can't even pronounce that, Leon. Is it Diacarbi or that you were yeah. thinking of? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really young. He's like eighteen, nineteen, and yeah. that's sort of that's sort of my point. That in January, it's I don't see why you'd bring somebody like that in in January, other than to just give them an extra six months of getting used to the to being in the Premier League and being at City. That I can't see how they make a, a player like that makes a massive difference in January, yeah. particularly when you've got a coach who's got a very particular playing style that if you've not played in before, it's going to take you time to learn it. And particularly when we're talking about centre-backs, which is in a way the most pressured uh, position yeah. in that system. So that's why on you can, when you look at, we put all of these things, when I put all of these things down on the table and then I look at, the form that Stones is in and 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 the number of games that we've got, because we're still in four competitions. It's like we lost a game, but we forget that just because we lost the game, it doesn't really change anything. We've still got a shed load of games to play. Um, um, one, one other thing, obviously we about Evans, so he's, he's you know, I've heard people say well, he's not been playing well this season. Well, well this team hasn't. Yeah. Uh, we were happy to excuse Sanchez not playing this well, you know, playing well this season because his team isn't and he wants away. Well, Evans had his head turned in the summer, didn't he? And he's, that's probably playing on his mind. He probably thought Listen, he I... thought he was leaving in the summer. So uh, you can't just say well, it's all right for Sanchez to underwhelm because yeah, we didn't want to be there, but not apply the same moves to Evans. As yeah. I've already Look, said, I... it's it's remotely un, you know unexciting, but that doesn't mean it won't make our squad slightly stronger. No, and I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm minded to give uh, Bigaristein and Guardiola the benefit of the doubt when it comes to transfers because I think that the two of them, kind of since they've been working in conjunction, have got more right than they've got wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just, it, it feels like, it feels like a moment where we should take a step back and go, do you know what? Whether it's the Sanchez thing or the Johnny Evans thing. They've sort of earned the right to do what they like in this in this January window. Yeah. Um, and could just be one worse. Last... Could be worse. It could be Chelsea. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or in fact, it could be worse because we could be nineteen other clubs in the Premier League yeah. because no, okay. nobody is in the position that that we're in. We're linked I think with the other Peter thing... Crouch, though. Then I really would be <laughs> shouting yeah, mate, into this microphone. They've been they've been linked with Jeco. Um, yeah. This this morning or last yeah. night. That'll be a that'll be an interesting meltdown one. on Twitter. Yeah, Incoming. I think the the the, the, the kind of the, the last word for me on on transfers and and sort of how we look at them. I I, I got I've got a little bit of transfer fatigue um, in this yeah. January window, which is kind of depressing. And I realised that talking to Marty Perry now the other day that we as supporters we sometimes we tend to look at the market rather than looking at the bigger picture of our own team. And he was saying, you know, from from Pep's point of view. The, the whole squad, the whole team is three to four players short of being complete. Yeah. Like, that's what I've said about 10 times during this yeah. season. And, and also being complete in the sense of the, the, the balance between young players and experienced players being such that you literally don't have to go out. You really don't have to go into the marketplace for two or three years, maybe even longer. Um, and so, the Sanchez thing, although it's a bit of a disappointment, or the Johnny Evans thing, it feels like a little bit of a stopgap. The point is that in in Guardiola's kind of big master plan, he's nearly there. He knows that next summer, he knows that whatever he doesn't, he didn't get last summer, and he doesn't get in January. He knows he'll get next summer. And if you look at the way that this season is unfolding, well. You know, it would it would be some kind of monumental disaster for us to to lose the league. We're in a great position to win at least two or three trophies. So, I think that 
we need to, I, I feel personally like I want to just step away from this January window and stop stressing about it and just, you know, look at the football and the footballers that we've got and how the season's gone and what we can still achieve, mm. even if we sign no one. Uh, strangely, I think, Paz, you said there's not even been a bid from Evans anyway, but God knows what goes on behind the scenes sometimes. It's strange. Well, yeah, I think that's... so many times this week, yeah, you know, Sanchez and others I've read about deal imminent, and then uh, the manager's been in a press, pre-match press conference and said, well, we've not actually had any bids yet. And it's like, oh, right. <laughs> that's because that? Johnny Evans' agent knows how much West Brom want, and he knows how much Arsenal and City are willing to pay. And so he needs to convince one side to compromise. And that's, you know, like the idea that, like, clubs just blindly put bids in like yeah I'll give yeah. you 20 million then and then the chief executive rings up and goes no 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 I want 35 it just I don't think it works like that in the modern game I just think that aid, agents do most of that sort of negotiating work behind the scenes and it allows managers to then go well no we've not had a bid because you don't put a bid in more or less until you know it's it's going to get accepted I mean Barcelona didn't bid for Liverpool until they knew what Liverpool wanted, knew what Liverpool would accept, and then gave that offer to, to Coutinho's agent. And, and off he went to, to Liverpool and the, the bid was in and accepted. So, yeah, that's just, I think that's just the way uh, the way transfers work. Um, we've kind of digressed from Liverpool, which is the, uh, sorry, from, from the Newcastle game. <laughs> which is, oh, yeah, which, Liverpool, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely. Oh, one last thing on the Liverpool game that I wanted to ask you. Do you think it's a blessing in disguise losing a game just because we can kind of get rid of that whole conversation about going the season unbeaten and invincibles? And do you think that that thing had the potential to be a bit of a distraction? Uh, not really, no. I think it's neither... It's neither one or the other. I don't think it matters, to be honest. Uh, I don't think... I'm not sure how you'd argue it's distracting the players. Uh, I'm sure they just approach each game. Yeah, the old cliche as it comes. Uh, uh, and they were quick to... You know, Pep's been quick to talk. He's probably, he probably is a bit relieved because he's... In, you know, press conferences is... Been banging the drum anti, we're not going to go undefeated. You know, just keeps being asked it and keeps implying, right. no, we're not. <laughs> Forget it. Uh, so I think he'll be a bit relieved. But for the players, I don't think they've been really thinking about it this early in the season. I mean, we're only in January, so. But yeah, I mean, it's probably not a bad thing just to to move on, concentrate on the football now. Yeah. So look, um, we play Newcastle this weekend. Uh, firstly. Is this maybe the best time to play them this season with everything that's gone on with their takeover in the last four or five days? Uh, I don't think that they've been a, they've been plodding along, you know, struggling for a good couple of months now. Obviously, the, the bizarre nature of the fixture list with uh, not long since we played them anyway. Uh, yeah, and that was a bit of a weird game, but it was banging the Christmas one, Christmas schedule. Uh, we dominated, but didn't create that much, and almost gave it away at the end. Just you know, with ten minutes of uh, by not putting the game to bed. Yeah, it's. I think this and West Brom at home is you know after Liverpool and you know the pessimists among us City fans just having a quick look at the league table and fixture lists again <laughs> because it's down to twelve points. Uh, I think obviously if we don't win those two games it will prove disastrous because they're very winnable games and then there'll be full crisis mode. But I think it's a very useful fixture for us after Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, I think and to I... have the week off. And I know a few have been abroad, thank God, to avoid. Uh, I don't know what the weather's like where you are, but it's been disgusting here. So, yeah, they've all had a break at long last. The first break since August... The takeover, I don't know how it affects players, but it'll certainly affect the manager. I don't yeah, he's been he's been on the brink of uh, bubbling over now, boiling over for quite a few months about being supported in his job. And a failed takeover is not gonna help that whatsoever. And it just creates a bad mood around the club as a whole, doesn't it? Well that's sort of Yeah, that's sorry, sort of the point I'm yeah, that's sort of the point that I'm getting at. I feel as though um it 
it's the perfect moment in this season to play Newcastle just because, for those who don't know, like Mike Ashley put out a statement four or five days ago saying that he's had no bid from, from Amanda Staveley um, and, and her kind of investment vehicle. And now she's done an interview in the Times this morning saying that they've got a third bid on the table. She's basically more or less calling Ashley a liar um, and saying that he's he's taking the piss a little bit. And I think that for for Benitez, for Newcastle supporters, they're on the precipice. They're 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 a side who can easily get relegated this season. And certainly they've got a championship squad right now. They've got very few Premier League quality players. Um, and I just don't think that this this uncertainty smack bang in the middle of the transfer window. I don't think it's going to do them much good. Um, so I do think it is a good time to play them. Having said that, Howard, to, to swing this back round to, to City, how are we doing right now? Because I've, I've, read, I've read a lot of things this week about post-Liverpool and how the Liverpool defeat was actually coming because our performances in the run-up to Liverpool weren't great. So what I was interested in you doing was just kind of looking across the defence, the midfield and the attack. Right. And just let, let me know how you how you think we're fixed going into this next set of fixtures. Like which players you think might have dipped, which players you think are excelling. Yeah. So what, the defence? Let's start with the defence, yeah. Like look at the the goalkeeper and the yeah. and the back four. Not notwithstanding the kind of rotated sides during the during the Christmas I mean, period. Yeah. Um is that currently has that become maybe our uh, uh what's more of a weakness to begin with, the defence or the attack? Oh, uh I'll say we've scored eighty goals this season. Uh we've still scored three at Liverpool. Uh we only had four on target. I don't think We've been profligate, but I don't think the attack's a problem. Defence, yeah, Stones has come back. Addison obviously had a bad game against Liverpool. Has Otamendi dipped? Well, the the whole defence was part. I mean, Walker, we've not talked about Walker, so he's the one who's been pretty damn consistent. Uh, I mean, just look at his... I don't think we even meant... We should give a shout-out to that pass to Sane. Costfield pass that led to our equaliser yeah. at Anfield, which I think it was Walker, wasn't it? That it was Walker. Uh, it was an excellent pass. Obviously, Delph, we know, is out for a couple of weeks, so we've got a problem at left back now. So the defence is a bit more of the problem because, as mentioned, we stone. I don't think Altamendi's dipped. Obviously, he made a mistake during the Liverpool game, but we can't say we well, made a mistake, so now he's dipping. We'd have to, you'd have to do it. He'd have pretty bigger sample size and as I've already said can't judge over Christmas cup games are very different I still think we our intensity dips in the Carabao Cup we've put three of our worst performances in there of the season in that cup and yet we're still in it and still should be going to Wembley uh, so you know we've not <laughs> The Liverpool games, the only league game in recent times. So it's very hard to know what now happens. But with the week off, I'm just hoping we get the old city back and that we now continue afresh on putting things to bed, so to speak. Getting that lead it- back up in. I, yeah, we want Stones not to make individual mistakes to get back to his old self and just for that defence to settle down and I don't. They're not going to be pressed like they were against Liverpool, so they should be able to ease themselves back into form, so to speak. Is it more difficult to? Do we find it harder when the the players in the back four are rotated than than in other positions yeah. on the pitch? I think. So I then, think any team would. I think it's that important. Defense. Is there an argument? Are you talking about in general or particularly playing in Guardiola's defence? Oh, well, both. Okay. But I still think you, that rotating defence is... Central defence, anyway, is quite hard to do. Yeah. Because it really is a, p- a partnership, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's one of the, it's probably the, the key partnership in a team. I know all the players work together, but your two central defenders, if you if we assume you're playing two at the back, yeah, two central defenders, is, for me, key to a team performing. I think so, but I also think that the midfield 
two or the midfield three are almost as important. Yeah, but the nearer you get to your own goal, if you don't, yeah, if yeah. you see what I mean. But. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then, just looking at the uh, uh, looking at looking at that sort of back four and the the two fullback positions, really. So now that now that Delph is is injured, um, has it? I'm interested because I feel as though there's a, a conversation to be had about Danilo and, and Zinchenko yeah. um, because I don't think that... So I feel like when you look at games like Newcastle and, and, and West Brom, I would argue that Danilo offers almost nothing going forward. Yeah. Um, and therefore there's an argument that maybe a guy like Zinchenko is actually going to be a better option in those games. Uh how do you feel about that? And do, uh, or I'd, do you... I'd be really comfortable playing him tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I just think he fits in the team. Yeah, he's not. Wow. He's not the total package. I just feel like you do. Uh, I'm not having a down on Danilo. It's not been a disaster, but he's no, not at all. Uh, and it's not his position. Uh, so he'd be okay there. It, you know, we can put him in there to do a job. Uh, but as I say, I don't think Chico is a da- uh, downgrade from that. And he's a bit more explosive going forward because naturally he's a more attacking player, isn't he? Now, if we're yeah. going to dominate the ball 75% again tomorrow, as you would expect us to, then why not use Zinchenko's skill set down that, you know, down that wing? Mm. Uh, depends how much trouble you expect them to cause on a counter-attack, but they shouldn't create too much, so... Yeah, no, but no, I just you know when you see a player, I've said it before, you see a player, and it's not just about how many what was his past completion, how many you know, did he create a chance or did he block that shot? Sinchenko just seems to fit into the team naturally. Just seems mm. to belong. Uh it's just a shame that, you know, there's not the position there to see what he can do in his you know, his favourite position. There's just not the space there, so... No. But in a, in a way, don't you think that... It's one of those where you feel like probably for him to make a name in his side, he's going to have to be adaptable like Delph yeah. and, and maybe find a... Because the, the competition in those attacking positions is is so fierce. Um, I'm surprised, to be honest, Howard. I... I uh, 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 not that I'm saying you're a pragmatist, but I fully expected you to go, nah, not it's a Premier League game and I wouldn't be risking, you know, uh, a lad like that when... Because honestly, if it was, for example, uh, in a bigger game, let's say that it's Spurs away or Spurs at home, I, I'm not sure I'm playing Zinchenko no. then. I'm, I think I'm playing Danilo. Well, it's not, much, is it, sir? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, you, it's so, experience, yeah. isn't it, against, you know, innocence or naivety of youth or whatever. <laughs> uh, that makes you think, oh yeah, Danilo, if it's a big game, because he's played big games a lot. Yeah. But I don't think... Uh, it depends what he's up... Yeah, it depends who he's up against in on their right side. Yeah. I think he would struggle defensively big time against a, a world-class right-sided winger or attacking midfielder. He's not... He's not, you know... He's hardly perfected the defensive side of his game. But I just don't think at home to Newcastle he's going to be overworked in those areas. So, you know, use his other assets. Yeah, no, I, I, I would, I would go along with that. Um, hey, listen, have we? I mean, uh, the answer is pretty obvious, but have we asked too much of Fernandinho <laughs> yeah. this season? And is there is there a risk then that sort of, you know, he's he, he's a guy who burns really brightly and then can sometimes have a dip in form that almost feels catastrophic. Um, do you think that's compounding the unfairness, the fact that, you know, you sort of look between now and the end of the season and there's a almost a concern that it's not fair on him? Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. Uh, I just looked up his age. Uh, so I couldn't remember when he's, <laughs> you know, his next... Uh, and I, I'm very, it's made my day. They see it. we we share a birthday as well. So oh wow yeah. <laughs> so when, so it's a typical tourist. So he's thirty three in May. So he's, right, he's okay. thirty two. I thought he was or yeah quickly approaching thirty three. Uh, you know you wouldn't know it, would you? Uh, it, it could be twenty seven, twenty eight. But yeah, it's really becoming one of the crucial roles in the team, and it's 
pretty much dependent on him, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I when you it, take him out, you know, we look, and there's something missing, just like there is with Silva, just like there is with De Bruyne. So he becomes one of the key for, you know, three or four players in that team. And he can't do it. I mean, he's, he had a dip after the World Cup, but I think he was just shell-shocked after 7-1 loss to Germany. And, it, yeah, he kept... If we burn him out, it's a big, big problem, and that's yeah. obviously that's why we're looking for a replacement now. But it's going to be the summer, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, so, I, I would say so. But for, we've said it before: if we're playing Newcastle West Point, he's got to have a break somewhere. That's why I was so happy as well during the week. I was actually thinking of Fernandinho when I read in, uh, you know, I read online that City team had been given a time off until Thursday. Yeah, which I think is great. There's no need to be training. They just need. He's just someone who just needs to relax for a few days, uh, so, and I hope that makes all the difference. Definitely, and I think I think with Fernandinho, uh, I think that his his natural fitness and his stamina aren't an issue. I think that he can run all day, and if he's got to play three times a week, he'll play three times a week physically, and yeah. it won't overly affect him. I think the issue with a lot of these players in this particular team is the is the mental, mental fatigue. Yeah. I, th- I think the 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 having to go mentally to the well every two three yeah. days to face you know to know basically I stand between basically my team and a goal most of the time because that's kind of the way it is with Fernandinho. He's you know he's he's basically a one man cleanup operation in front of that back four and I just I um. Yeah, I think it's the mental side of it that more than the the physical side. Are you disappointed, for example, that they've not tried uh, Gundogan more often in that position, or do you just think it's not going to work? So, no point trying it. Uh, I think he's still been. I think he will be now, but I think there was a still tentative about using him after the injury. Mm. And I think he's he's taken a you know a couple of months to to build up steam. To be honest, uh, I don't think he'd quite replicate that, but he can still do that role. There's no doubt about it. He can do the the up and down role. Uh, I'm just not sure if he's you know he's not quite the same player as Fernandinho. Uh, but I think he I think we will see in the next couple of months if we maintain our lead in the league that he will play a few games like that and I'd be interested to see how he does but I think we've been it's been a slowly slowly we couldn't do one yeah definitely and I think we're just and happy he's fit to be honest <laughs> how do you think he's doing in terms of sort of uh, stepping in and out for, for De Bruyne yeah. and, and Silva uh, well I thought you know up, up to Liverpool I thought he was really getting into some form uh, I've said again when you change about six players it kind of drags everyone down and it's very mm. hard to make conclusions about how well someone's doing. Uh, so if you put Gundogan into the first team, you know, just straight swap for Fernandinho, then you see how well he's playing. That's when yeah. you can judge him. Not when you make seven changes and players are making the wrong runs and everyone doesn't know instinctively where others are running and it's all a bit of a mess and they're not part, you know, they've not perfected the pep system because they're not used to playing with these players. I thought he was doing really well, uh, in the last few weeks, I was very optimistic about how he was doing. Uh, but obviously Liverpool, for a lot of players, has put us back somewhat. Uh, yeah. Do you but think, still, do you, by the way, a beautiful goal at the end. Oh, of course. I mean, that's the thing. He's still got the quality. There's yeah. no doubt that he's got the quality. Uh, you, you wouldn't you see Fernandinho what? in that position, would you? So, I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he quite has the defensive skills of Fernandinho, but I think he's more effective high up the pitch, definitely. Definitely. Um, I've I've completely forgotten what I was going to ask you now. I'm sorry. I should, I should really write the questions down. Um, no. Uh, so, oh yes, I, this is what I was going to ask you. Look, do you think that the last challenge left for Guardiola is figuring out how to make Man City play without David Silva? Yeah. Because he's kind of irreplaceable, isn't he? So, hmm. And you know what a time, what a shame he was. I was on the bench against Liverpool, but apparently he was ill, wasn't he? Yeah, surprised he didn't come on near the end, but maybe just saw the game 
in a different way than I guess yeah we were three goals down and even when we got two goals down there wasn't much time left really for him to influence uh, yeah, yeah it, it's you know Bernardo Silva was bought probably as the heir to his throne obviously he's not doing it yet but Silva at his beginning of his city career wasn't doing it like he is now I don't think he's ever been doing it like he is now so yeah it's a huge you know it's an obvious one isn't it you've got a world star there <laughs> you know who's in his 30s so yeah, there's there's no more to say. It, it it's it's just been quite a unique player for us. Uh, not seen anyone perform like that to that standard. So mm. and yeah, you, you can't I've just a- go out and buy someone and replicate that. Do you think I've been a bit unfair on on Gundogan in in phrasing the question in the way that I did to say you know is the last challenge left for Guardiola to figure out how to play without David Silva because obviously we've we've beaten Spurs comfortably without Silva yeah. we played a few True. times without Silva and 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 have won this season even though we maybe haven't been as um, I think Mike Weathers put up a stat which I thought was quite interesting uh, which is that in the last ten games that David Silva has played we've scored one on average 1.98 goals and then in the last 10 games that he hasn't played that number has dropped to like 0.98 or 1.1 something like that yeah. so there's definitely a drop off in terms of the number of of goals yeah, that we that we have that's a scored dodgy stat for me <laughs> well he missed the christmas period did you know he's missed recently and yeah and i go back to the that's a fair shout. Performance is dipping. Yeah, you know, he's missed the period where we're playing every three days. You can't, you know, uh, don't always tell the full story. You need a, a much bigger sample size to say that. But it wouldn't surprise me if you enlarge the sample size and it still went down because, mm. well, we know what he's capable of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Gundogan's not the same player. You know, he's not the same type of player, is he? So, uh, no one is. But you know, you want basically want to give Bernardo Silva eighteen months to grow into his time, at, into his role at City. Definitely, and it's, I don't think it's I. I don't know if Bernardo will become David Silva's heir. No, we don't know. Do we know? Playing centrally, but I, I think that you know he will need a little bit more, uh, a little bit of a longer period of adaptation yeah. uh, in the middle. In yeah. Yeah, and certainly, certainly centrally, he will he will need that. Uh, okay, uh, looking at the attack, then obviously, can I just ask? Sorry, is, uh, is David training and is he back in England at the moment? Do you know? Not, I've not read anything this know. week, so I, I neither neither have I. I I really don't know. Um, I assume he is. Then, if I don't know, yeah, we'll we'll. Uh, I guess Guardiola's got a press conference this afternoon, so so we'll. Know yeah, after of course, that. yeah. Um, so just looking oh, at the attack just then. Fernandinho signed a new contract as well. Oh, has that been announced? Yeah. Like now. Uh, right now, so. Literally it's just been announced yeah. now. I think we should give uh, I think we should give Sam Lee a little round of applause because he, he he announced both of those renewals, Otamendi and Fernandinho, yeah. back in back in December, didn't he? Well done, Sam. well done, Sam. Um, uh, but this this just comes back to Sanchez at the time that we're doing I mean De Bruyne was I think he's relaxed about a new contract. But we're obviously trying to get about five players on new contracts, aren't we? So how yeah. could we have gone and paid Sanchez four hundred grand a week when we were negotiating a hundred and fifty grand contracts with players with players who are already performing for the team? Yes, it just nice. becomes it's unworkable, isn't it? You know, yeah. Mm. I just don't think I, the, that's the thing. I think that City have never. Um, certainly since Bergerstein has, has come in, City have actively tried to bring their wage bill. So initially they tried to bring the wage bill down when, when Bergerstein came in and yeah. they've got a, they've got a system and they don't deviate from that system. And I think that it's fair enough. Like if, you know, Gabby Jesus was offered more money from Barcelona and Real Madrid and Manchester United, and he chose to come to Manchester City. Kevin De Bruyne was offered much more money by Paris Saint-Germain, but chose to come to Manchester City. City like to do deals like that, where you want to come and play for the club, rather than a deal where the agent goes, well, if you pay us the most, then we'll come and play for your club. I don't think that, I don't think that Guardiola and Bergerstein want players who are led by their agents in that way. And I can understand why. Yeah. I should um, just remember, I've just remembered actually, there was a 
picture on Twitter yesterday of uh, Guardiola and uh, Silva training. So, oh, excellent! <laughs> yeah, just just come back to me. Yeah, the, the Pep team Twitter account. That's or right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, so he is he is training. Having a laugh in training. So excellent. Uh, well, let's hope that everything's uh, everything going is going well for for David Silva's yeah, little exactly. one as well. Um, okay, let's talk very briefly about the attack. I know that the attack has kind of been talked to death. Um, so the good news is that Gabby Jesus's injury isn't as serious as they first thought. So he'll be back in about four weeks. Is that correct, Howard? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, well, probably less, but now. But, you yeah. know, again, there's training, being match fit. And yeah, I think it's good. I think it's fine to just call it a month. To be honest, mm. if you look at the uh, if you look at the overall form of 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 the attack as a whole, uh, do you think that's one more reason why the Sanchez deal just didn't feel that important? Yeah, I think it's t- two things in a way. The lead at the top of the table, as we mentioned last week with Stefan and the pod, kind of puts a different perspective on it from the summer. Uh, we certainly don't need it for the league this season. Uh, and of course, yeah, if the news had been bad about Jesus, I think we would have upped a few million onto there. But it still might have been out of our... I don't think they would have done it anyway. And I, I, think I even still if think it would have been months. too much. So Yeah, I, I just don't think they'd have ever paid that. But that yes, it does obviously help because, you know, if he'd been out for the rest of the season, we'd have a big problem. I think we'd have been looking around elsewhere perhaps instead. Mm. Maybe, Were you maybe disappointed? Peter, maybe Peter Crouch or Andy Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> we could bring Big Ed back from uh, from Roma. Uh, listen, were you disappointed with Sterling's performance at Anfield? Uh, I was, but in no more than about seven other players. Yeah, yeah, he didn't okay. really. He, Robertson just, yeah, it did. He should have terrorised him to me. I mean, he's a good defender, him to be honest. I mean, he's done really well since he's, you know, he's joined. I think was it from Hull? Uh, I thought he was great at Hull. I was yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, he stood out at Hull. You know, like yep. really stood out. Uh, so I don't, you know, I'm not saying it should automatically, you know, be running rings around him, but it just, yeah, it, it was a disappointing performance. I don't know if it's the Anfield thing or the team as a whole just weren't, at the, you know, just weren't creative enough, weren't creating enough chances. But no, we still I think scored it was a three goals, didn't we, sir? Yeah, I think there's I think there's a little bit of both involved. Yeah. I think that you know there's an element of the of, it was, of the Sterling, Sterling the kind of the crowd and, but and considering Sterling. what it's been through in the last couple of years, you don't think that would be the sort of thing to phase him. But well, it's funny because I think that there's a, a, a I think you can be the toughest, hardest, mentally strongest guy on earth. I I find I find watching games at Anfield to be un. Bearable, yeah. To the to the point where I watch games at Anfield with the with the TV muted because there's just no other way of. Uh, it's just I find it unbearable. So I can't imagine what it must be like for Sterling having to go out there amongst all that hostility. And it is, you know, we've had players down the years that have been booed at, at other grounds, but I can't remember a player having to face the level of hostility that Raz faces at um, at Anfield. And I know this is going to sound like a weird thing, but I almost think there's an argument now, having seen what happened last weekend, to not pick him at Anfield, because I think that there's yeah. a knock-on effect for the crowd, for, for for the Liverpool supporters, which has a knock-on. They're more up for it with Sterling in the team than they are when Sterling's not in the team because they have like a focal point for their hostility, which adds to the atmosphere. And I almost feel like if you take him out of the team and they've not got something to boo, it's much easier to manage that crowd. And I think the, the crowd at Anfield does need to be managed. and Because I, I think that there is that thing of, you know, like with the 10 minutes that they played with him when they scored all those goals, you know, it's a combination of the press, the noise that, you know, that the noise that they can generate at Anfield and the, the yeah, I guess that has to have an effect on their players as well an effect, as well as an effect on, on our players. Do you think I'm bigging their, their atmosphere up a bit too much there? <laughs> yeah. Well, mate, was at the, I mean, not be bitter. There's a big problem with atmosphere. Uh, the Etihad being a prime example. So uh, yeah, but let's not. Yeah, my mate was at the match and he said you could hear 
you could hear the manager shouting when it was 1-0. Uh, but after they scored the second goal, there was a great atmosphere for 10 minutes, which I'm sure but the, helped the team. But don't make and, out that it's rocking all the time. It's not. No, not at all. But that's sort of my point that, you know, in the, in those key... So for me, I think that the 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 key thing is that they they get under Raz's skin early. Yeah. You know, they, they rattle... They they do manage to rattle us a little bit um, with the press and with the with the hostility, the atmosphere. And I think that in the second half, there's like a um, a little bit of an extension of that. That when the second goal goes in, that they can then just crank that the the atmosphere just gets cranked again. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that there is a conversation to be had about not picking Sterling so that you don't give the. The crowd, wow. something yeah. to. I, I wonder because Ferguson didn't play Rooney for a lot of years at Anfield. Um, really, unless I, unless I'm mistaken, yeah, I there, there was definitely an element of he didn't play for a lot of years at Anfield, and I often wondered whether that was a case of just not giving that crowd the the uh, the opportunity to to have a focus for their hostility. Probably because he'd get himself sent off as well. So. <laughs> yeah, there is there is definitely an element of that. Okay, so um, look, I think the Aguero, I think the Aguero thing has been done. talked to yeah. death. Yeah, it's been absolutely done to death. I really hope that you know, with Jesus being out, that we see a little bit like we saw last season yeah. when Jesus was out. That Aguero just goes up a level. A couple of goals sh- tomorrow, please. Yes, definitely, definitely a couple of a couple of goals tomorrow. Um, okay, Howard, I think. That was a, a lovely little uh, a lovely little chat around the uh, around the last week and, yeah. and the game tomorrow. Um, just finally, as always, little prediction for for the Newcastle game. Four nil. Ah, I was going to say four nil. You, can, on, you can if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to. Uh, I'm one up in you, mate. I think with everything that's gone on at Newcastle, five nil tomorrow. I fancy. Uh, I fancy us to do to, to to Newcastle something similar to what we did to Stoke. Yeah. Just absolutely I take. Them yeah, apart. I mean, they could. I think they'll frustrate again for a while, but I think you know the seventy-minute mark onwards. Again, we should be create very create a lot of chances in the last twenty minutes. I would hope. And I'd love an early goal. I'd, oh, in yeah, fact, I fancy an early goal. Actually, I, that's maybe why I've gone with such a big score is because I really, really fancy uh, an early goal tomorrow. Okay, wonderful. Mr. Hocking, Sir Howard of Hocking, <laughs> thank you so much for, for taking the time uh, to do this. pleasure. Wicked. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the Friday show on the 9320 podcast. Uh, we will be back on the 9320 player on Monday with a review of the Newcastle game. If you've not already signed up to the 9320 player, just head over to 9320.com, £4 a month, and you'll get access to our archive of all the podcasts that we've done so far this season and everything that we're going to do, which include reviews, previews, history pods, specials, interviews, tons of stuff so yeah head over to 9320.com and check that out and we will be back next friday on the 9320 pod with another friday show thanks for listening